or talking about preparing for the passion. And our goal in uh, looking at uh, the, the series that we've been doing together or starting last week and this week and going to next week is to have a little bit better understanding of what was happening during that last week that Jesus was walking across, uh, upon this earth before the cross and before the resurrection. And the purpose is, hopefully, by kind of building our hearts and preparing our hearts towards that, hopefully you and I are going to have a more full experience of Easter this year. We're looking at Matthew 26, verses 36 through 46, and, and this is just after the passage that we looked at last week. Last week we were talking about the Last Supper in verses 17 through 30, and then right after that passage, Jesus tells the disciples basically, hey guys, uh, you're all going to scatter. You're all going to leave me. And then just like probably we would have said, oh no, Lord, you can count on me. No matter what happens, I would never leave you. Absolutely not. And then we get to what we're going to focus on today. We're going to talk about what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I want to start in verse 36, reading together. You can just uh, follow along as I read. It says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, which would have been James and John, and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. He said to Peter, So you men could not keep watch with me for one hour. Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. Again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. As we read those verses and as we watched that video, I want us to kind of think about tonight some of the things that Jesus was going through in those moments that we just watched. The first thing I want to talk about tonight is the, the pressure that Jesus was under in those moments. To be honest with you, I don't think there's any way that we can fully understand what Jesus went through. Would you agree with that? I mean, even having just read the, the verses a little bit earlier... Doesn't that video just kind of take you to a different place of just, it's not just words on a page? No, Jesus really went through all this for us. But I'm going to ask the Lord to help us to understand that a little better tonight, to open up our understanding. I want to ask you to pray that, that God will help us to do that too. But the primary challenge that Jesus had to deal with in those moments that we were just watching, first of all, was the weight of sin. In a very real way, the weight of the world in those moments that we were just watching it was almost like, and this was almost like the precursor. Now, we're, you know where we're headed. We're headed towards the cross, okay? But this was almost like, this was almost like the, the drum roll was beginning. 
It was like the precursor. Jesus was beginning to feel the weight of the world, the weight of our sins. In those moments, Jesus was beginning to feel the pressure of all of that. Now, we talked about last time, I can't handle my own sins. I can't handle my own problems, much less help you carry yours. But the Bible says that Jesus was taking all of ours. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4 says, Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Now let that sink in for just a minute. All of our sins, all of our sorrows, all of our griefs, all of our heartbreak was coming upon Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, in those moments. In the very next verse is a song we sing here at New Hope. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him. What was upon Him? The punishment for our peace was upon Him. And by His wounds, by His wounds, we are healed. Then think about the emotional struggle. Have you ever been falsely accused of something? Or it seemed like everybody... Well, at least it seemed like everyone was against you or pointing their finger at you. Here Jesus was, and he knew that Judas and the religious leaders were on their way to kill him. He knew that, didn't he? In fact, right at the end of the verses that we just read, what did he say? Thanks a lot, guys, for going to sleep every time I needed you. But it's too late now. They're coming. Jesus knew that they were coming. Can you imagine what that, what that must have been like? Then, while he's in the middle of that struggle... The people that he counted on the most were letting him down. He had been telling them, these things are going to happen. But they had just been hearing what he was saying. They had not been getting what he was saying. How disappointing would it be for you if you were going to face the most intense battle of your life tomorrow and you asked somebody, could they stay up with you for a little while because you just wanted somebody to talk to and here you are, and you begin to share your heart and what's going, the thoughts that are going through your mind, and next thing you know, that person's head's bobbing. Pretty disappointing, isn't it? What about the physical impact? We're really going to focus on that more next time, but you begin to get a picture in the video uh, of the intensity of those moments and the effect of that on Jesus' body. Did you see he was shaking? Now, we don't know exactly. We weren't there. All we know for sure, and we understand that this video takes some artistic license, okay? You understand that. All we know for sure is what the Bible teaches us. But you can imagine, have you ever gotten stressed before? And then you walk outside in the cold? Now, during the time of year that we believe Jesus probably died on the cross, the, the temperature there in, uh, in Jerusalem probably averaged somewhere in the 40s, okay? So here he is, he's under extreme stress, and when you're under stress, sometimes you start sweating, okay? So you can very well imagine, have you ever went outside when, you were, when it's real cold outside and you're under a lot of stress, and you, you probably would have had a chill anyway, but you kind of get this uncontrollable, you can't stop your mouth chattering. Has anybody ever experienced that before? He could hardly walk in the video. He was so dizzy. Have you ever been so stressed before that you, can, you, don't, you can't get your balance? You know, you, you know that feeling where your head just, your, your chest gets so tight and, you're, and you, there's such an intensity in, in your eyes that you just can't even hardly stand up? The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 22, verse 44, that Jesus sweated drops of blood. 
Now, doctors tell us that that is a true condition. I believe it's pronounced hematidrosis. It basically happens when a person is under extreme anguish or extreme stress. What happens is, is that the, the blood vessels right underneath the skin begin to burst. And then when you're sweating, that blood comes out with your sweat. Have you ever just been completely overwhelmed? Where you felt like you were going to drown? Where you felt like you were sinking in your own life? Where you feel like you're just about to pass out? Now, we don't know for sure from Scripture if Jesus passed out, but, but, but based on what we, we understand about what he was going through, it wouldn't surprise us, would it? And then there's a spiritual separation that Jesus had to deal with. Have you ever had somebody in your life that you were super close to, but then something happened and your relationship changed totally, almost just immediately? You went from being their best or their closest friend to that person saying, I don't want to know you, I don't want to be identified with you, I don't want to be connected with you in any way. That's what Jesus was experiencing. In those moments, he was feeling the hurt, the disillusionment, the, the, the pain of that he and the Father, the Father and the Son, had had perfect connection, perfect unity, perfect relationship for all of eternity. And now in those moments, and I don't understand exactly how it all works, but in those moments, Jesus Christ, the Bible says, was becoming sin for us. He was taking our sins upon himself, and he was beginning to sense the separation from God that we experience with our sins. Total abandonment. Remember on the cross, what did he say? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Finally, there's probably something that many of us forget about, but you kind of see it in that video clip. What about the spiritual warfare that Jesus must have been under? You know, for some of us, when we talk about spiritual warfare, we talk about the devil, or we talk about Satan, we think that's kind of freaky, okay? We're kind of like, ooh, that's kind of weird, you know? I like coming to New Hope and learning about God, but all that, you know, devil stuff, that's kind of, that's kind of weird stuff. Well, some of you might feel that way, but for others of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Even though it's not on the same level as Jesus experienced, Many of us have experienced the enemy in an all-out assault on our lives. And no doubt, this was the enemy's best effort in all of history to keep someone from doing the will of the Father. You can only imagine what it must have been like. In some ways, it was the devil's finest hour. It appeared that he was going to win, that he was going to defeat and destroy our only hope. You know, as I think about that, two things come to mind. First of all, it makes me love Jesus even more. I mean, friends, just think about it. I've faced, have you ever faced intense challenge to your faith? Have you ever faced intense temptation to do the wrong thing? Where it just felt like, Oh my goodness, I mean, if I'm not careful here, I'm really vulnerable, I might make a mistake. Anybody ever felt that before where you were, just, you were just right there on the edge of doing the wrong thing? How unbelievably hard it must have been for Jesus to go through this. You know what else it says to me? It helps me to realize that when I am tested the most, God might be working the greatest. Do you realize that the enemy has seen God work for thousands of years? And he's pretty well versed in how God does things. He's, he's seen God at work. And when he sees God doing something, what does he do? 
He ramps up the pressure in God's servants' lives. Now, I want you to think about this for just a minute. When you are under extreme attack by the enemy, for most of us, when, we, when we're in that place where Jesus was in, for most of us, we're tempted to do what? To back down. He gets us back on our heels. But I want to challenge you tonight to change the direction a little bit. Instead of feeling intimidated, now we need to be careful. The Bible says in Jude chapter 1, verse 9, that, that even Michael, as an archangel, he doesn't come against the enemy on his own. He calls out to God for help, okay? So we need to be very careful about addressing Satan or addressing the enemy or focusing too much attention on him. But the Bible does say that we can have humble confidence under the, even the highest of attacks in our lives. Even in our darkest hours, if you're a child of God, no matter what's going on around you, you can know the Lord is with you. The Bible says if God be for us, who can be against us? And maybe an overarching lesson, all that Jesus was experiencing is this. In his humanity, and again, I don't understand exactly how all that works, but in his humanity, Jesus shows us that even when we are at our lowest points, we need to realize that we cannot ultimately depend upon ourselves or other people. Who have we got to depend on? We've got to depend on God. God does work through me sometimes. God does work through you in my life sometimes. But we need to realize, and Jesus teaches us in those moments, that when it comes down to it, when, when we are under the gun, who is the one that we need to turn to? We've got to turn to Jesus. That kind of leads us to the next thing I want to talk about a little bit. The love that Jesus was showing us in those moments. You know, as I think about what Jesus was going through, as you watch that video, I find myself wanting to say, why didn't he just stop it? Why didn't he just call it all off? Why? He, he's going through, and somebody before the service was talking about that the cross was excruciating pain. Did you know that's actually where that word comes out of? Out of the cross. Out of the crucifixion, excruciating, that's where that idea comes from. It comes from the cross. Jesus was undergoing excruciating pain. Why didn't he just say, don't you just find yourself? He's sitting there, he's dying. He's, he's hurting. Why doesn't he just stop it all? What is it that he was fighting for? Why was he willing to be tormented, to be tortured? I don't know about you, but when I watch that video, it makes me realize he was thinking about me. Friend, do you see that? Do you see how much Jesus, what he's going through in these, in these moments that, we're, that we've read about and that we've just witnessed on the screen? Do you see how important and how critical you are to his life? You see, the problem is many times church, we've, we've dressed it up with a bunch of religious garb, but when it comes down to it, the reason that Jesus died on the cross is because he loves you. He cares for you. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. That's right. It is easy, isn't it? It's pretty simple, isn't it? Even a child can understand it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. The Bible says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God 
in Him. You see, religion wants to dress it up. Religion wants to make it all these rituals and all these things. But the, the, the point of what happened, the point of what we're building towards, the point of Easter, the point of the cross, of the passion, of the, of the resurrection, the point of all that is, very simply, God cares for us. He showed us that love. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. It says, See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God. The Apostle Paul was getting close to that kind of love when he said in Romans chapter 9, verse 23. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said. If you've never read these verses, it's going to shock you. He says, I am telling the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit. What's he trying to say? I'm telling you the truth. That I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. Say, why, Paul? For I could wish that I myself were accursed, separated from Christ. What? I could wish that I myself were accursed, separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh who are Israelites. Now he was talking about his, his native land. He was talking about Israel, the, the Israelites, the Jewish people. Paul says, I so badly want my people to know the Lord that I would be willing, it sounds like, to be separated from God myself if they could be connected with him. Is that shocking to you? I mean, that kind of goes beyond, hey, I'm a Christian, God's working in my life, and maybe I'll share with other people. Doesn't it? It actually sounds like other people having God work in their life is much more important to me than God working in my life. You know, obviously, the Apostle Paul wasn't saying he wanted to turn his back on Jesus. But what he was saying is, I love these people so much. He was expressing the heart of his Savior. Just like Jesus, I love these people so much that I would be willing to take their punishment for them. Have you ever loved anybody like that? So much that you would be willing to hurt in their place, that you would be willing to take their blame for something that they did? I got to tell you that most of us, myself included, lean towards being fair-weathered friends, don't we? I mean, seriously. While things are going great, while we're enjoying life, while we're liking each other, no matter what relationship you want to talk about, most of us are good. But when things start to get hard, we begin to distance ourselves from that person, don't we? We begin to separate. We don't even want to go down with them, much less take it for them. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, I see it in little ways. I'll be in a conversation with other people, and, and I'll hear a spouse make sure that everybody knows that some issue that they have in their family was because their husband or their wife made a bad decision. I, you know, I just want to be clear. I'm not the knucklehead here. Yeah, we got a problem. We lost the house, or, or the kids are going crazy, or whatever, the job lot, whatever, you know. I see it in big ways. When a crisis happens, people scatter. 
We distance ourselves from our marriage, from our church, from our family, whatever. I want you to think about what caused Jesus to press on under that enormous pressure. What made him deal with that extreme disappointment? In the moments when he was in the most agony, why was he doing that? Why did he keep going? What was the point of it all? You've got to understand, that's how much he loves you. When I thought about this this week, I thought about the song, Oh, How He Loves You and Me. You ever heard that song? Oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, how he loves you and me. He gave his life. What more could he give? Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves you and me. That's it. That's what God is wanting you to get from all this. He's saying sin is serious. Someone does have to pay. We can't just slide it under the rug. It has to be dealt with. What kind of judge would a judge be if somebody killed somebody and they said, oh, let's just don't worry about it. If he's a righteous judge, he has to deal with wrong. But he didn't want you to get the death penalty. He loved you so much, he would be willing to take yours and mine and all of ours in one blow in those moments. You know, many of us have heard about Jesus. We've heard about the cross. We've heard about salvation. We've heard about Easter. But unfortunately, for many of us, that's not much more than just some religious terminology. What if you just cleared your mind of all that? For all the stuff that you've got kind of cluttered around your mind about God and Jesus and the Bible. And what if I just came to you tonight and said, do you realize that God was tortured for you? We're not talking about First Communion. We're not talking about baptism. We're not talking about church membership. We're not talking about serving in a ministry. No, we're talking about the core of it is this. He was thinking of you. And he wasn't a doormat. It wasn't a, oh, you know, he, he couldn't help it. He could have easily, and he said it. He said, listen, this is the Father's plan. And he could have called angels down to stop it. He had options, didn't he? Friend, tonight, as you prepare to celebrate Easter this year, I want to ask you something. Why wouldn't you trust a God like that? What else does he have to do? What else would he have done that would convince you that he is worthy to follow? And if you're a Christian tonight, why do we struggle with trusting a God like that? Why, what are we afraid he's going to call us to? Why are we holding back? Did he hold anything back? It was all out for us. I don't know about you, but that draws me to be all out for him. I mean, I'm not yet. I hope I'm more all out than I was last year. I hope I'm more all out than I was 15 years ago. But it draws me tonight, as I've studied this this week, I've given my life to Jesus Christ. He is my Savior. But I want to see Him working in my life even more. How about you?
It draws me to my Lord tonight. I want to ask you tonight. Is God speaking to your heart as we're preparing for Easter? Are you seeing, maybe you've heard the story before. Yeah, I've heard about the garden, heard about the disciples sleeping. But I don't know if I really realize what Jesus experienced for me. Would you bow with me for just a moment? Father, it's hard for us to go back 2,000 years and to, and to visualize something that happened so long ago. It's written in a book. But Lord, we thank you that your word is not just any book, that it's alive and that it's powerful and that it has the power to speak into our hearts and to open up our understanding. And Lord Jesus, I just pray that as we've talked about this tonight, that you've helped someone to understand a little more clearly what you did for them. And if there's somebody here that's never given their life to Jesus, that they would understand that you are worth trusting and giving their life to. You're the only one who can forgive them. You're the only one who can wash their sins away. You're the only one who can make them right with God. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Tonight, we're just realizing what Jesus was doing on that night draw you closer to Him. If you're a Christian, is God wanting to use this Easter to get you back on the right track? You've been thinking about all those other things. Serving, giving, quiet time every day with God, sharing Christ with others. All those things, maybe, they are a part of a walk with God. But as the book of Revelation says, you've left your first love. You need to come back to Jesus in the garden. Carrying your sin for you. Do you love him for that tonight? If you're not a Christian tonight, it's not about Easter eggs, the Easter bunny. It's not about even getting together with family. It's not a holiday off from work. Easter is about God coming for you. I think we all sense it in our hearts, don't we? There's something not right. I need something to happen in my life. I need God to do something. He did. He died for you to pay for your sins. Would you accept that gift tonight? Just like that lady did last Wednesday night. She says, I I don't know how to trust him. So the Bible says, if you call upon his name, you will be saved. Just, yes, Jesus, I believe you. I believe you did what you said you did. I believe I need you, and I receive you as my Savior tonight. I gladly give my life to you. If you would do what I saw on that screen tonight for me, I would give my life to you.